0: I don't know if you watch Saturday Night Live, but there's a sketch that Kenan Thompson wrote called um, Millennial Millions. (laughs) And it's hilarious. You need to go watch it because it's so a Gen Xer is the host. That's Kenan Thompson. And then there's millennials who are answering the questions. And then the boomers (laughs) come out and talk about how they've just made everybody rich and they're never going to die. And Kenan Thompson says, hey, I'm Gen Xer. I just sit on the sidelines and watch the world burn. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, maybe that's a bit harsh, but members of Generation X have a bit of a reputation. I would know. I'm one of them. We're known for having a healthy distrust of authority, being somewhat aloof, and for doing things our own way. But we've been through a lot as a generation, from Watergate to the first-personal computers to being raised by hard-working parents who often left us to our own devices. Gen Xers prize independence and security, which makes some of us ambivalent about entrusting our money with digital payment technologies. But Jason Pavona, Senior Vice President and General Manager of Global E-Commerce at FIS, says that doesn't mean we're tech-averse.
1: 71% of all Gen X have actually purchased something off social media, right? I mean, that's a staggering number.
0: This is Financial Futures, the podcast that charts the frontiers of fintech innovation. This season, we're taking a closer look at each of the five generations alive today and how they like to shop and spend their money. Armed with survey data from 15,000 consumers in 15 countries, experts from FIS tell us how the way we pay is changing across generations and around the world. How do age, culture, and technology interact to make the generations unique? And which global trends unite us all? Today, fellow Gen Xer Jason Pavona joins me to hash out what makes our generation tick. We'll explore how brands can connect with our supposedly marketing-resistant peers, why credit cards are still our payment method of choice, and how to design reward programs that earn our fierce loyalty. So let's first let our audience know. Okay, who are Generation X? Yeah. So I think
1: when you when you look at Generation X, right, it's uh, the group of people are, are sandwiched in the middle, right. So you've got the, the millennials on one side, you've got the baby boomers on the other side, and you know they've got a bunch of uh, interesting characteristics as all generations do, right. So they're incredibly time sensitive, right. They're looking for things that make their lives easier. They're incredibly loyal to certain brands, right? They also, you know, they are incredibly time pressured. So they like simplicity. That means that over time, they're going to be continuing to look at how do they find products, services, ways to pay that make their lives easier, right? They're self-reliant. They're confident. They're very independent. You know, they like to have options, right? Uh, You've got to make things for them flexible, over the long run, it's an interesting group, not only because they also now are coming into their own around disposable income, right, but they have pressure on that income. So They have the two sides. They have you know, children you know, coming into college or just before college, and they're also helping out on the other side with parents, right? So there is this incredible pressure on you know, how they're continuing to spend and, uh, and, and look at money from an investment side, uh, but also from a disposable income side.
0: And so in terms of years, just for reference for our listeners, Generation X are generally people who were born between 1965 and 1983. Does that sound about right? That is right. So you've
1: got a, a mix of, you know, folks that were, would have seen the the Vietnam War and then grew up with MTV, right? So yeah. it's, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, some of the first folks that would have gone to school with, uh you know, with computers, they had uh, probably the first computer labs where your kids would go in and, and write their, uh, their term papers. So uh, they've seen it all, right? Uh, it's a very diverse group. You know, I think what's interesting is, you know, marking to them and, and dealing with some of the the skepticism they have as you know, growing up in that era is, is always going to be interesting.
0: Well, and it's interesting, because you mentioned the independence of Gen Xers. And, and I think, um, We come by it honestly. You know, we were the generation of latchkey kids where this was pretty much the first generation where two parents were working, divorce rates were soaring, children were not the center of parents' worlds the way millennials are. And I think that, would you say that created some of the independence um, and need to be self-reliant around purchasing?
1: Absolutely, right? I think the uh, kids were in many cases in the past, brought up by a mother and then a father that worked all the time. And and the, that kind of pushed a cultural norm that, was, that changed over that period of time.
0: So we're going to get into this in more detail, and I think you've already hit in a little bit, but what characterizes how Gen X shops and pays? Yeah, so I think, you know,
1: It's interesting, right? So it's, it's obviously changes globally, right? You have different cultural norms on different sort of payment types and services that they look at. Some of the the research we've looked at, when you take kind of Gen X and kind of why they choose certain merchants or, or certain areas to shop, right? Online, it's a pretty interesting mix, right? You know, one of the first things they talk about is, you know, free shipping right? It's <laughs> this concept of, I'm get, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm getting a deal, right? And it's simple, right? I don't have to think about it. I'm not worried about, you know, am I going to pay $10 for shipping or $30 for shipping? It's about simplicity, right? They also, you know, I think there's a, there's, there's a massive mindset around Gen X, around being a trusted brand and the authenticity of that brand, right? You see that time and time again, right? Whether it's, you know, whether it's Harley Davidson, whether it's Restoration Hardware, you know, they wanna know what the brand's about and they wanna identify with it and they wanna make sure that it's quality, right? Uh, I think we also, you know, we also look at, you know, able to shop in the channel that they want, right? So we talked about kind of the the time constraints that this generation has. So around, you know, they cherish simplicity, right? They cherish time. And so the ability to either purchase online, in-store, the way they want to do it, it's got to be easy to find. They have to have the ability to say, I want to go, I want to get it. But also remember that they're heavy on research, right? So they do want to make sure that not only, you know, before that purchase, they're going and doing a, you know, they, they want to understand what they're buying, they understand what the benefits are, they want to understand other people's experience with it. Uh, and are they getting, uh, getting something that other people have not only enjoyed, but actually worked? And I think the other thing that is, when you look at, you know, how they pay, they're still primarily paying with, you know, credit cards and debit cards, right? It's uh, that generation is also, their habits, you know, are hard to break. <laughs> uh, and so <laughs>
0: <No>. yeah, say <laughs>
1: yeah, it's, it, it's interesting, right? And even if you look at kind of how they choose cards, right? You know, fifty percent of Gen X choose cards based on points, and sixty-seven. You know, if you look at other countries, Canada, sixty-seven uh, percent, right? So they're going to pull out a card that they know they're getting some benefit from, and quite honestly, they probably did a lot of research on that card to figure out whether that points program was a good points program and where they're going to actually be able to, you know, benefit from it, and whether they were getting other other exclusive offers, other things that actually make that that uh, those things drive home. So when you look at kind of the purchasing habits, right? I mean, it does follow that generational mindset, right? It's, you know, I want to be independent and I want to go with brands that, you know, give me not only joy, but assure me that it's something that's quality, right? And I want to make sure that I'm doing it in a time sensitive way on my terms, right? So the independence coming in and I want to see some benefit, right? Because I have a limited Uh, potential around my disposable income because I'm supporting multiple generations and, you know, I want to retire.
0: (laughs) Eventually, right? (laughs) We Gen Xers do love our credit cards and our desire for security makes a lot of us wary about adopting technologies like digital wallets. But Jason says that doesn't mean we've closed our minds to digital payments, especially when you look at Gen Xers globally
1: asia right Uh, wallets as an example you know continue to drive you know a huge portion of uh, overall spend across generations right so especially online where i think 71 percent about in china use a wallet when they're buying online but what you do see is that this this trend towards security right follows gen x across all different uh lifestyles right So, you know, 95% of folks in China want to use biometric as a way of securing in that place. You know, you've got, you know, Japan as a great example, where they're just, you know, they're heavy on on credit cards. I think some of the other things that's interesting, though, is that, you know, you see some of this buying behavior very similar, right? So the use of social media, you know, specifically around Facebook, right, where you've got 80% of the folks within that generation have been on Facebook at some time in their lives. And, you know, that that still is a, a massive portion of that overall group. So, you know, you see things like the Facebook yard sales, right? You see coupons and offers coming out, right? A continuous, you know, drive towards the use of social media for them to get validation, you know, around the things that they're doing, right, to the point where, you know, 71% of all Gen X have actually purchased something off social media, right? I mean, that's a staggering number if you think about it, right? If, you know, that people talk about the fear or the, the fact that they're really not engaging, you know, from a, a technology standpoint, it's just, I, I, I think that's a little overblown. I think it, you know, 90% own a smartphone. They, they can be influenced into technology, right? Uh, and it does skew, right? I mean, you know, obviously you have the older part of that generation that, you know, that may be somewhat reticent, but, you know, as you kind of go up in that age group, they just grew up with it. And they saw some of the earliest signs of it, as you suggested, right. Being, you know, I, I too remember being, you know, getting my first Mac and, you know, being just in awe of just the stuff that you could do on it. So I think it's uh, my personal belief is that they will continue to drive change around technology, but still have some of that, you know, habits that, you know, continue to may slow down that piece and, You know, I think we'll talk about it a little bit later, but I think some of the things around the current environment with COVID is actually changing and accelerating some of those things within that mindset.
0: Yeah, I know it has for me, for sure. But and I want to mention, too, you're talking about the use of smartphones, the use of Facebook with with Gen X. And yet I think that's such a great example of how we really do straddle both worlds, because (laughs) I'm embarrassed to admit this, I still get a traditional newspaper. You know, some Gen Xers still like to have regular TV that you don't have to, well, we all have to pay for cable, but um, you know, they don't want a subscription service and yet we're buying things on Facebook. My husband, his side hobby is selling things on Facebook Marketplace. I swear to God, it's going to be (laughs) his retirement job. (laughs) And I think you're absolutely right, is that because we straddle both worlds, we move into to that digital payment technology, but we're just slower to do it. So what do you think is the reticence? Why do you think we're slower to adopt digital payment technology? Yeah, so
1: I mean, I agree with you, right? I mean, I still get a a Sunday Globe. uh, And it's for one reason to, you know, sit and read the the sports page.
0: Mine's the crossword. I like to write with a pen. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, it's
1: uh, it's fascinating. It's uh, probably embarrassing that we're we're both kind of a, a model of what we're talking about. You see it across payments, right? And and how you market to them, it's really about finding ways in which they're going to provide or they're going to get value, right? And that that's where it changes the mindset, right? So that generation has you know often been called you know one of the hardest to market to, right?
0: The unmarketable. The unmarketable, I've- yes.
1: So <laughs> I think that you know, when you take a look at, you know, how successful businesses have, you know, gone and and messaged to those, uh, that group, right? It has been about, you know, authenticity, right? It has been about providing simplicity. It has been about creating a mindset uh, around value. I actually think when you look at, you know, that group from a technology standpoint, it's the same thing, right? And you see, Certain aspects following even across all generations. So, uh, you know, if you recall some of the advertising that Apple did at the beginning of the year around the security of their device, that security is something that is something we, they all have to get, get through, right? And talk about and make sure that they feel what they're doing, not only their information, but just kind of the the fact that the brand cares about it, right? And it's incredibly difficult to, you know, the the worst thing a brand can do is get out and say, you know, I'm the securest brand in the world because the next day, every hacker is gonna come after them. Right. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, a lot of it is about, you know, how you use your brand promise and reinforce that in the actions.
0: So let's now fast forward or come into the present with COVID. Yeah. How has COVID changed our payment preferences? It's just
1: been fascinating, right? So I think it's not only changed our payment preferences, but it's changed the way and accelerated the way we think about purchasing. So great stat, right? 38% of uh, people are buying more groceries online. I would bet that the majority of people in in this generation have never bought groceries online, Right. Uh, and that acceleration, you know, if you look at the way people now think about how everything can be consumed, right. is just changing 27% of people added a new subscription service, digital subscription. You look at things like Disney plus, right. Which are just exploding, uh, and the people that would, I'd rather go to a movie or would I rather have the comfort of my house and all the different things that I pay a premium for it. Right. So Uh, How do I look at what the social aspect of now entertainment is driven by how I pay, how I want to live, and the, you know, the concerns. Now, I do think that there, you know, as we kind of grow out of COVID, right, and we get, uh, you know, hopefully in a situation where we can get back to our normal lives, there will actually be probably an acceleration for a period of time around people getting out, right? So, you know, just the excitement of being able to go to a movie for the first time and not worry about it, you know, going into restaurants, going shopping uh, in a way that we used to do. However, I think then that there will be a pullback around, Hey, I actually did like doing these things.
0: I really don't want to see people anymore. <laughs> well,
1: I mean, yeah, I mean, it is, it's, but it's no, about time, it's right? I mean, when you look at this generation, the, the time that it takes to do certain things changes your mindset, right? So is it easier for me to call in and, you know, use my mobile phone. Right. So 40% of people bought more on their mobile phone during uh, the last nine months than they had before. Right. So it's much easier for me to say, you know what, I'm going to go do takeout. I'm going to order it on my phone. I'm going to go pick it up and I'm going to come back and I'm going to watch Disney plus. Right.
0: Efficient. We want to save time and we want it to be a great product.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So I think that's where, you know, I think that's where we, that's where we see the change. I think we also see, We're also gonna see an acceleration of contactless. We're also gonna see acceleration of mobile wallet just because they, they were forced into a mode to use it, right? I actually went into a store in the summer and they didn't take cash for years, you should see, we don't take credit card.
0: <laughs> right, right. Because it added on a fee and took longer. It's so counterintuitive. I hear and you. So
1: n- now it's a, and, and, you know, as you look at, you know, certain economies, right, there is a cost to taking cash that's calculable, right? Uh, and it is a pain, and it will disappear. It's just a question of when, <laughs> uh, you know, but I, I think that that the, the acceleration around people's desire to use something that's easy, safe, secure, and fast uh, is going to continue to accelerate, right? And, you know, the other difference is too, you look at, you know, with even with my kids, right? Uh, They have a debit card that I can control and it's a lot easier than giving cash. I get alerted every time, you know, they spend money. Uh, I get alerted when they don't have money and spend money. (laughs) uh, (laughs) That kind of thing that just drives, you know, a change in mindset, right? So, I think when you look at COVID, there's been a lot of interesting ways in which Gen X have realized, hey, wait a second, this stuff actually is faster. This does actually make my life simple. And I think that, you know, you'll, you'll see this uh, in some of it's also, you know, a re- reverse where it's on the merchant to kind of help accept it, right? So you see this natural progression of wallets at a POS, right? You see this natural progression of contactless at a POS. So it is a kind of a dual-sided issue where, hey, I'd love to use it, but you know, we're not all in San Francisco and New York where everything is, you know, the technology is out of this world, right? It does you know, kind of creep into other parts of the US more slowly and even globally, right? Where you see you know, places like Japan that are far more advanced from a, a payment standpoint and a cashless standpoint than we are. And so that those generations kind of get almost forced into it first, you know, whether they want to do it or not.
0: <laughs> right, right.
1: So I think over time, yeah, I think COVID has done, obviously been, a has changed some of the cultural mindset about uh, how we're going to want to do things. And I think that's, you know, it, it is going to be a mark that we all remember and something that I think we look back and study, you know, not only around payments, but just what cultural events did it accelerate within uh, communities globally.
0: Well, let's move on to something else that Gen X loves. We can kind of wrap up our program with this is rewards. We know that we love our rewards and our loyalty programs. We search for coupons online. My husband still gets the Sunday paper, mostly so he can clip coupons. <laughs> I kid you not. And we're we're motivated to subscribe to the loyalty program. So what can merchants do to attract Gen X with loyalty points or programs?
1: Yeah, so I think it's an interesting... Uh... It's a really interesting journey right and i agree with you it's you know we talked about it kind of earlier around points right where the cards that people pull out of their wallets in this generation are very much geared towards points and you can bet your life that they researched that card to no end about whether it's the best point program or not (laughs) so you know i think when you look at kind of merchants and and institutions that are looking at putting uh, loyalty programs together you know, some of the things that we really see as important, right? As we've talked about, you know, time sensitive, right? It's got to be minimal in order to create your first interaction with it, right? So they should understand why they're doing it, but the sign up and enrollment process needs to be really simple.
0: A to the men. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm with you.
1: If they want to do research, the rules and redemption policies, right, have to be incredibly digestible, right? It can't be this, you know, a hundred page document, you know, six type where, you know, no, one's ever going to read it. If they want to do it, they want to understand what they're getting. Right. The other thing is that very early on in the process, meaning, you know, like within the first four minutes, you've got to give them some value upfront around using it. Right. So as you kind of talked about a coupon or a discount or, Hey, join our loyalty program today, you know, the, your first day in the lo- loyalty program, you get 20% off your first purchase. Right get them engaged right away so that they're actually using a product and seeing how the loyalty program is benefiting them, but also more importantly, the quality of your product and how much you, that you're you gonna stand behind people within this loyalty program, right? Uh, the other thing that we've constantly seen around points programs uh, within this group is points can expire. That immediately puts a level of distrust in the program where either it's not valuable or B, you don't value me as a customer from a, from a long-term usage, right? So this generation likes to have brands that they use over and over again over a long period of time. And they don't want to feel pressured to use their points immediately. So we see, you know, that, that becomes a, an interesting uh, piece. The other thing we see globally, right? So is that in this generation is that they like programs that have multiple merchants as part of it. So merchant groups, so you see this somewhat within the credit cards where, you know, you can use your points on different related products and services, right? The holy grail, right, is using the pro- using points at checkout. So I go into, whether it's Restoration Hardware or Walmart, I go in and I basically give them my card and it takes loyalty points right off it. Whether it's a Amex or, you know, MasterCard program or whether it's the store program, they just love using points and seeing that they're getting value for all the purchasing they're doing, you know, getting to the point of, listen, it's about simplicity. It's about making sure that I'm getting some value. And by the way, I'm cost contents and I'm trying to save money, <laughs> right? So I want to be able to use it. So Mexico is a great example, right? Where, you know, the only programs that really work are ones that are high cash value, right? I want 4% back. <laughs>
0: right. 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 So we are just about at the end of our conversation, which has been Unbelievably informative and, and partial therapy for me, if I'm honest. <laughs> <laughs> um, so wrapping things up, what would you say the top three takeaways are for merchants, are, are merchants out there that are listening and wanting to market, um, get more Generation X as customers?
1: You know, first and foremost, it's, it's understanding the different generations and how you're going to market to them, right? Everybody's different. Uh, you know, we've talked about some of the things that make, uh, you know, Generation X special, and if you're looking at that group, it's really about, you know, how do you make it simple and, and, and make sure that it's, uh, you know, time sensitive, meaning understanding the fact that they they just love to make sure that they're saving time and, and working in an environment that is uh, that people understand that. Uh, the second piece is making sure that you understand the, the marketing channels that are best for that generation, right? And I think as we've seen in the past, Generation X, you know, email is, is still a huge driver of the different pieces that they respond to, but also not forgetting social media. Right. So as we talked about Facebook, you know, 80% of the folks have been on Facebook in that generation and they're making purchases more importantly, right. Which I think would surprise a lot of people when they think about it. And then third, you know, just be true to yourself as a brand. Right. And that, you know, I don't think generation X is alone in this, is in this issue is that they want to, they want to trust brands. They want them to be authentic and they want to know, know, that you know, who they're buying from is someone that's gonna stand by their products and services, right? And that's obviously especially true around Gen X.
0: Jason Pavona is Senior Vice President and General Manager of Global E-Commerce at FIS. That's it for today's show. On the next episode of Financial Futures, we'll pick up our tour of the generations with a look at Gen X's elders, the baby boomers. See you then.